Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly glad to have you here. Before I start today's show, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who has been so supportive um, since the book was published and launched a little over a month ago. To everybody who has left reviews, who's shared it with friends and family, Um, and also when it comes to the podcast, thank you to those of you who have left reviews or left comments, been so kind and so supportive in so many ways. Um, largely this has really just spread via word of mouth and it's not any grand thing but I do appreciate every one of you who has shared it and I just wanted to say thank you so 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 much last week we talked about handling offenses wrestling through offenses in prayer and today I am going to share a lesson called handling offenses um But for those of you who may not have been able to listen to last week's episode, I'll just give you a little refresher. At some point in somewhat recent history, I had an experience where I was really hurt. It was a situation that I felt excluded. I felt overlooked. And I didn't feel that everything was entirely true in terms of what I had been told about a specific situation. And I was just so angry. I was grumpy. I was mad. I wanted to talk to other people about the situation, but I did what I have learned to do over the years was walk that path that I have cut down to the feet of Jesus, and I got myself into the presence of God, and I really did not want to pray about it, but I forced myself to pray, to talk to God about the thing that I was so upset about and so hurt about, and God just really, really ministered to me in that moment. God shared a few things with me that I shared on the podcast last week when it came to dealing with my own situation. And I was able to walk out of my prayer closet that day, having wrestled through that situation and literally not having had to deal with it since that moment. But the things that God really impressed on my spirit when I was wrestling with this painful situation the first thing that he said to me was you can't carry a grudge and hold my hand at the same time grudges are very heavy and if I choose to hold the grudge I can't hold his hand I can't walk with him and if I'm going to make it to heaven I have to hold his hand and so the bottom line we can't make it to heaven if we carry a grudge and he was so gentle with me but so firm and I just felt that so heavily in my spirit Secondly, he gave me two kinds of perspective. The first perspective was how much he's forgiven me, how much I've needed forgiveness, and it made it a whole lot easier to release the other person that I was feeling some frustration and hurt toward. Second type of perspective he gave me was he sort of just zoomed me out to my community and reminded me that people are 
wrestling intense addictions. People are overdosing. They're addicted to heroin. They're addicted to cocaine. They're facing maybe divorce or fractured families. They're wrestling suicidal thoughts or maybe severe depression. And it just gave me such perspective for the situation that I was dealing with in that moment. Thirdly, he reminded me of the power of praise and that praise and worship still break down prison walls just like they did with Paul and Silas. And number four, he impressed a question on my heart, and that was, will this matter when you get to heaven? He gave me an eternal perspective. And so that's just a little refresher course of what we talked about last week on the podcast. And I do believe this is an important conversation because Jesus told us that in the last times that many will be offended. And it says in the word of God that it is impossible that we will not face offenses. And so this is something that every single one of us deal with at some point in our lives. We're going to get offended about something. And so learning how to identify offenses, learning how to properly respond to offenses is massive. And so coming out of that experience, um, I was reminded of a series that my pastor taught years ago called The Offended Series. It was very good. It was three parts. I linked to it in last week's show notes. I'll link to it again this week. And out of that series came a lesson that he wrote for our new member class. My husband and I have uh, the privilege to be in our new member class to help facilitate and to teach. And um, our pastor comes in and teaches five of the lessons in there. And a lesson called Understanding Offenses is one of the lessons that he teaches. And so I asked him if I could share the high points of this lesson. I'm really just going to share the skeletal system of this lesson. I wish he could teach it to you because you would probably get a lot more from it. But a lot of the things that are in this lesson have really helped me personally when it comes to how to handle offenses, how to deal with them. And again, this is something that if you're human, you're going to deal with this at some point. Maybe not today. Maybe flower petals are raining down in your yard and the sun is shining, but there could come a day where that is not the case. And we all wrestle through offenses. And I just want to say very quickly, I do not want to take my experience that I had last week where I was dealing with something and I dealt with it one day and that was the end of the story because I understand that offenses run the gamut and there's probably things we're going to deal with in our lives. I can attest I have dealt with things in my life that took me a very, very, very long time to get over. Now, I don't think it always has to take us a very, very, very long time. For me personally, it did. And it was a process of daily getting that hurt and that pain and that offense into the presence of God and processing through it with Jesus again and again and again. And I would give it to him. And then the next day I'd have to give it to him again. So again, I just wanted to say that I know it's not always a one day sort of situation. Those were just principles that God gave me last week that I really believe can apply to any sort of hurt or any sort of pain, no matter what we're dealing with. And so for today, instead of an unedited entry, I am going to just, again, give you the high points of this lesson called Understanding Offenses. The lesson opens up with Ephesians 4, 30 to 32, and it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so we have to understand, first of all, that Satan is our enemy, 
and that he has an objective, a strategy, and tactics. His objective, his ultimate goal is to destroy. John 10, 10 says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Satan's goal, his objective, let me just peel back his playbook here for a quick second. His goal, his objective is to destroy you. It's to destroy me. It's to destroy your husband, your children, my siblings, my parents, the people that sit next to me on the church pew, the people that you work with, every single person on the face of this planet, his goal is to destroy them, to destroy their soul for eternity, ultimately. And so that is his goal. But he uses cunning, sly, tricky, sneaky tactics in doing that. Ephesians 6.11 tells us to put on the whole armor of God, that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. And that is simply the trickery of the devil, his scheming tactics. He doesn't just come out and say, hey, I'm here to destroy you. Nope, he has tricky, sneaky ways of doing it. And his strategy is ultimately to divide us from other people. He wants to destroy, but he does that by dividing. And Jesus told us that every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house that's divided against itself will not stand. The tactics that he uses to divide us from other people is offenses. One of the reasons that we are so vulnerable to this tactic is that it often feels less like a satanic attack and more like an attack from another person. I think every single one of us can raise our hand and say amen, but we are told so specifically that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. The enemy is not the person on the other side of the aisle. The enemy is Satan, who's trying to divide us from the person on the other side of the aisle. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he said, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Offenses literally lock us away from other people. They build a wall between us and other people. And Proverbs eighteen nineteen tells us that a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. In the New Testament, the word offense comes from a Greek word scandalon, which originally referred to the part of a trap to which the bait was attached hence the trap or snare itself. And this is something that John Bevere, when he titled his book, Bait of Satan, this is what fueled that title, what inspired that title. Because holding on to an offense, holding on to a grudge, holding on to unforgiveness or bitterness, it can be tasty. It can be very tasty. It can be something that makes us feel like we are doing something to get back at the other person that hurt us. But it is literally the thing that will secure us in the trap of Satan. And so an offense is something that hinders us, that ensnares us, or causes us to stumble. And this is one of the key takeaways for me, one of the real high points of this lesson that has helped me to evaluate situations that maybe are painful. There's two kinds of offenses. There's real offenses and there's perceived offenses. A real offense is something that is verifiable, it's a fact. Somebody came up and said, 
I hate you. Somebody came up and smacked me across the mouth for no apparent reason. Those are real offenses. A perceived offense could be a lot of different things. It could be somebody walking past me and not saying hello. Maybe they're focused on something else, but I take it to mean that they're upset with me or I take it to mean that they uh, don't like me anymore. I take it to mean that they heard something horrible about me and they believed it. I'm perceiving something that didn't necessarily factually happen. But the problem is that a lot of times a perceived offense can seem just like a real offense. Maybe it's social media. We see that picture is posted where we weren't invited to the birthday party or the X, Y, or Z, whatever it was. And we perceive that we were intentionally excluded. And I will say social media has opened up a host of opportunities for perceived offenses. And we should use our social media with such care. We should use social media with the golden rule in mind. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Would that post hurt you? If you posted a photo of you with so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so, and you weren't included, would you feel hurt? Would you perceive that you had been excluded or left out? And so that's a total side note. But perceived offenses a lot of times feel like a real offense. And so we have to learn how to handle and limit and resolve offenses in a biblical manner. So how do we respond to the pain of an offense, whether it's real or whether it's perceived. First of all, we need to respond slowly, prayerfully, and humbly. James tells us to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Gather all the facts. Hear the matter through. Get the other side of the story. Talk to the other person. Very, very important And this is so huge. Search our own hearts and evaluate our own expectations. At the heart of every offense is an unfulfilled expectation. When I feel excluded from something, it means I felt I should have been or I expected that I would be included. Maybe it's people that I feel close to or people I am close to. And so making sure that I have realistic expectations, maybe in certain cases if my expectations are defined or communicated, maybe to a spouse. Um, Are my expectations fair? Would I treat others the way that I'm expecting to be treated? Have I ever done something maybe that I'm not living up to my own expectations? And so understanding our expectations and evaluating our expectations is a real piece of learning how to handle and respond to the pain of an offense. But Christians can be victorious. There are Christian attitudes that we have to adopt when it comes to responding biblically and spiritually to offenses. First of all, we have to cultivate an attitude of humility. We have to follow the example of Jesus. In Philippians 2, we read this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And verse 8 tells us, Who being found in fashion as a man, humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Humility invites God's grace. It helps me remember that my suffering is not unique. I'm not the only one with pain. I'm not the only one dealing with 
offenses, again, that can really run the gamut of super minuscule and super tiny and petty all the way up to egregious, horrible things. And humility keeps me from feeling entitled to anything. It reminds me that I deserve nothing. I deserve hell. I deserve death because of my sinful state, because of my own actions. And humility keeps us from becoming entitled. It also gives us a proper perspective. So first of all, we have to cultivate an attitude of humility. Secondly, we have to cult an attitude, cultivate an attitude of trust towards God. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And staying offended is a sign of unbelief or a lack of trust. When we trust God, we can say things like Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. If he kills me, I'll still keep trusting him. We can say things like Joseph, when Joseph said, you meant it unto me for evil, but God meant it unto me for good. We can say things like Paul wrote in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Because we trust God, the worst offenses, the worst things that we'll ever have to forgive can be woven into the divine plan And forgiveness is a function of exercising trust in God. Forgiveness is one of the major ways that we display faith, that we display trust in the sovereignty and in the goodness of God. And we need to cultivate an attitude of mercy. Christians should seek to develop a generosity of spirit towards others' flaws. I love the verse that says, With the merciful you will show yourself merciful. Jesus told us to be merciful as our Father in heaven also is merciful. And so we have to cultivate an attitude of humility. We have to cultivate an attitude of trust. And we have to cultivate an attitude of mercy towards other people. In addition, we have to learn the biblical pattern for responding specifically to an offense. In Matthew 5, 43 to 47, we read this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? And so the whole theme of Christianity that Jesus gives us in this verse is to love our enemies, to bless those who curse you, to do good to those who hate you, to pray for those who spitefully use you. It is so countercultural, counterflesh. It goes against the grain of everything we feel and everything we want when we are offended. So first of all, if it's possible, overlook the offense. Proverbs 19.11 says it's one's glory to overlook an offense. Forgive the person who has offended you. In Matthew 6, 14 to 15, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness releases the other person into God's hands. 
it says, I'm not taking revenge, God. They may have hurt me. Maybe it's a real offense. Maybe I just am assuming they've done something. But either way, I'm putting them in your hands. I forgive them because I understand that if I don't forgive, you can't forgive me. So overlook, forgive, pray for the offender. Jesus said to pray for those who despitefully use us. And it is really hard to stay offended at somebody that we're praying for. Again, Jesus told us to love our enemies, bless those who curse us. And then number four, if possible, seek reconciliation. And this is so important to remember. And I would refer you back to the forgiveness episode I did last year. I want to say it was like episode five or six. Talked very specifically about forgiveness um, and shared a journal entry made me to forget But forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. They're two different pieces. We can forgive when in certain cases it's not possible for us to reconcile. Sometimes maybe we can't reconcile with someone due to a divorce or maybe we can't reconcile with somebody due to the fact that they might continue to harm us or continue to abuse us. We may not be able to reconcile with somebody because they're dead, but we can always forgive. Forgiveness takes one, reconciliation takes two. But Jesus gives us a pattern for reconciliation when it is possible. And Matthew 18, 15 to 17 says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Very important. Go and tell him his fault with just you and just him. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. So that was the pattern for reconciliation that Jesus gives us in his word. Again, it takes one to forgive, two to reconcile and not always possible to reconcile. And so it is so important when we're dealing with offenses to overlook it when possible. If you can, just choose not to take up the offense. Kind of what happened with me last week. I just dealt with it with me and Jesus. Nobody knows what I dealt with. Yeah, I'm sharing it here that I had something I was offended about, but absolutely nobody knows what it was. And if you can't overlook it, go to the other person Talk to it, talk to them about it with just the two of you. Then take somebody with you. Go to a pastor. Go to somebody in a position of authority. Talk to them about it. Talk to them about it with the other person. Trying all the time to see both sides of the story. It's very important that we do that. We could avoid so much conflict in our homes and in our churches if we would follow this pattern if we would refuse to talk to anybody else about our offenses before we've talked to Jesus, before we've talked to the other person, before we've talked to a pastor. It eliminates so much drama. And always seek to avoid off, excuse me, I do speak English. Always seek to avoid gossip and to cover an offense when possible. And so again, that's just the skeletal system of a lesson from our new member class called Understanding Offenses. I hope that something shared there is helpful to you, maybe in something you're dealing with now, something you will deal with in the future. 
But again, we all get offended at some point in our lives. And so again, I would like to recommend the Offended series. I'm going to link to that again. Bait of Satan, the book by John Bevere that was so instrumental in my own healing journey. And just a simple reminder today to harbor no offense. There's something so sweet about the lives that have chosen to harbor no bitterness, no unforgiveness, no offense. You see those people where they just exude sweetness. And that is what I long for my life to be, to have no offense toward God, toward another person, to walk with a purity of heart as it relates to other people. And I just wanted to share again those few practical tips for understanding why we get offended, learning how to deal properly and biblically with offenses. And I hope again that that's a blessing to you in your life. Thank you again so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions, you can visit MegUnedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is Unedited. This is for you. Happy Friday.